0: Our scripture for tonight is from Galatians 3, verses 23 to 29. And this is a reading from the NIV, Galatians 3, 23 to 29. You can follow behind uh, here on the screen, or if you want to open up one of the Pew Bibles, they're also in the NIV. Starting in verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come. Would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Greek, sorry, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. For if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. I want to welcome all of you here tonight. Uh, If this is your first time, you've been here multiple times before. And I just want to let you know that when I look at all the artists up here, Part of what I'm ha- is happening for me in worship is that I know these people and I know their stories and I know what they do for work. And one of the things you'll hear us talking about here sometimes at Providencia is what people do for work. And over on the far end, this guy in the very end here on the, on the guitar, Drew, is actually a sales, sales rep, but he does so many other things. He's also a musician, he used to open for the Wailers. And then we have a future grad student uh, right here, uh, right? True, Michael, yeah, right here, yeah, maybe, who knows. Uh, and, then, and then we have our uh, executive, she's really like volunteer executive pastor for our church, but her real job, she works for One Hope um, down in, in Fort Lauderdale. Some of you guys are familiar with that, Allison. And then Josh, who came last minute, was here tonight. He, he, our other guitarist got sick. I think that's the first time Josh has played uh, with us here. And so thankful for Josh doing that. There he is, back corner right there. And Josh just opened a coffee shop called uh, Composition Coffee that is over at uh, Elizabeth Avenue. And some of you guys know who Rachel is. She wasn't up here tonight, but Rachel is somewhere. She's right there. Rachel's right there. And Rachel really curates that space there at Elizabeth Ave. So from 10 to 4, you can go visit Josh and get really good coffee. That's like a place where I work and hang out now. So if you want to find me, uh, that's where you know you want to come harass me, just show up there. And then this this young man right here, Earl, is... uh, I always ride the drums when Earl's up here. I'm always like really feeling the drums. Earl's like a safety guy. Like he writes like safety manuals for massive companies. When he's not up here playing and going crazy on the drums, he also has a recording studio at his house. And then uh, Brent, where's Brent? At? Is Brent here? Did Brent take a break? Okay. Yeah, there he's in the back, back right there. Brent is a chef, right? Uh, he's a chef. If you ever go to FPL, the one in not. The one in Jupiter, massive place, you know, chef right here. And then James uh, Jaggert over here, he is making new fish species up in Jupiter (laughs) and writing for popular science, stuff like that. So the scientists, right? So when I'm watching these people worship, I'm like connected to these stories because I've listened to them, I've spent time with them, and it leads me to worship in a whole new way. They're not just like, you know, people up here that I've never met before. So I hope you have time to get to know them. Because each of them in different ways is curating uh, and a part of curating a space. They're a part of curating culture. And I I mentioned uh, Elizabeth Ave and and Rachel and Josh. And on on Friday night, I believe it was, there was this thing called Constellations. And it was over Elizabeth Ave. And uh, they did this live recording. And this guy named uh, Johnny uh, Hempsell, who by day (laughs) By day, drives this massive dog truck, um, and uh, I always get excited when I see this massive dog truck, but then by night, right, in the dead of night, uh, in all his free time, he's launched this project called The Song Catcher, where he goes around recording artists and listening to their stories. And so on Friday night, he was there, and he had these two artists that he was showcasing, and we really, a lot of us were talking about it afterwards, they were really good. But what we were all watching was the way Johnny was curating the space and the way he was caring for these artists. And that was like, for us, for me, it was almost the higher art that night, was watching this guy uh, curate this incredible space. And, um, and Johnny uh, thanked Providencia for its impact in his life and kind of inspiring him to do this work. Sarah Clare and I were talking about it afterwards, and we were like, Johnny, you know, he has, he's saying, giving thanks to us, but we also want to thank him because he is embodying what it is we're talking about here at Providencia. So we, we say to him, you are Providencia. You are an embodiment of it. We're so grateful for your courage, your risk to step out and do what he is doing and listening to people in many ways that otherwise we would not know who they are. These artists and their voices, and he's lifting them, and it's a beautiful thing. And then we shouted, and Johnny played his own song, which was the song of the night. Thank you very much, Johnny. So hopefully at some point, you will get to hear Johnny sing, and you'll get to watch him curate and create. But I hope you'll get to know each other, too. Because as we get to know each other's stories, we actually will fall in love with each other. And that's one of the reasons why we have story groups here at our our church, where we sit around and intentionally listen to each other and really listen and really try to understand, right? Because sometimes we hear each other, but we really don't understand what is going on. But in my time uh, here in this community, in my journey with Christ, I really am excited because I believe that we're really connected to the heart of this city. If you listen really closely, you can hear it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Right? And I believe that in that, we actually are really connected to the heart of God and his love for the city. And we're joining him in loving and caring for this city. this, This whole year, we've been in this series called Rooted, And the reason that we're in that series actually comes from Isaiah 61. So I just wanted to remind you, kind of take you on a flashback really quickly of when we started this journey back in September of this series called Rooted, what was it all about? And it came from the scripture, Isaiah 61, where uh, Isaiah the prophet is saying, I have been anointed or we have been anointed or we have been called to preach the good news, to tell good news to the poor. To bind up or to heal the brokenhearted, to set the prisoners free, the enslaved, to proclaim freedom for the captives. And that those people that are set free, those people that are healed, those those poor that are cared for, that they will actually join us, because we are them, in doing this incredible thing called rebuilding the cities. In the places long devastated. And what it says about those people that are going to be used by God to rebuild the cities, what does he call us? Oaks of righteousness. Priests, he even says. And that's a huge emphasis here at our church, is that we are called to be priests, all of us, together as a community, that we are a priesthood of believers. But that we would be oaks of righteousness. That if you join us in this journey with Christ, that you as you grow up, that your limbs would be shelter for the homeless. That the fruit that is growing on your tree would be food for the hungry. That the leaves creating shade would be healing, healing for the hurting. That we all together would be oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. That is our hope, that is our vision, that is our dream. And as you think about Providencia, a lot of people who come to our church will say things to us, and maybe they say this at every church they go to, or maybe you say this if you go to another church, but um, this church is different. There's something about this church that is different. And I want to propose to you tonight that one of the things that makes this church different is that we want to see the good news That Jesus is talking about for the poor, the healing that he's talking about for the brokenhearted, the freedom that he's talking about for the captives, applied to every single area of your life. To apply to every single area of your life. And to see that really happen takes time. It is not an efficient process. You will, if you stick around here long enough, be referred to a counselor who will help you on that journey, because we need that kind of care. We believe that you are worth that kind of investment, that kind of care. That, in fact, in my own story, in my own journey, there were things that I needed to unearth, that I needed to go backwards before I could go forward to live into the calling that God had for me, to love the people that God was calling me to love. There were wounds in my past, and I did not even realize they were there, that were keeping me from loving the people that God was calling me to love. As we come to this text tonight, uh, this guy Paul, he's an oak of righteousness. He is a revolutionary, he's a fighter, he is... Really sticking it to us here. And what is it that he is fighting for tonight? What is it that he was fighting for 2,000 years ago when he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia? Verse 23. Before the blank, we were held in custody. Under, blank, locked up. And I'm leaving things blank here because I just want you to, to, to hear the words custody locked up another way of saying it would be before our liberation we were held in custody under the system under the prison system locked up until something locked up until the freedom fighter came now that thing that has locked us up was the Pull the text up here for a second. Was the law the thing that locked us up? The thing that had bound us was the law. Go back to verse 23. There you go. Uh, The law, the law held us in custody. Now, there's different relationships that we have with the law. Um, I think at this point, we all know we need laws especially uh, for other people. Uh, today in my neighborhood, as I was writing uh, parts of my sermon up in the tree house, my other neighbor gets out of his car in front of his house and he's yelling and cursing at somebody on his car phone. And then he takes off going like 70 miles an hour down our street where there's kids playing. And my law side says, that's not good. That's bad. I want there to be law enforcement there to slow this kid guy down so kids are not hurt. Right, So I'm sure you can think of plenty of examples where you want the law to be there to protect you, um, maybe even protect yourself, protect your family. Um, but especially when we apply it to other people, it's pretty easy to know, yes, we need law. Um, secondly, our relationship is, for the most part, probably a lot of us try to obey the law. At some point, we're like trying to be law obedient. Now, we have those you know, certain laws that we're not as, you know, for us personally, we're not as committed to, right? Uh, but for the most part, we're trying to be uh, law-abiding. And in many ways, this is where we get into some of our, um, what I would call selective self-righteousness, where we feel so much better about the laws that we are able to obey. And we look around and we see how other people aren't as good at obeying those laws. But I'm really good at it, so I feel really good at it. So for me, in my house, that is like not littering, Right? And uh, Lily, who's five, is always throwing her Popsicle sticks all over the yard. And I'm like, Lily, you can't just throw your Popsicle sticks all over the yard like that. But I don't do it. I feel like I'm responsible. She's only five. I'm 42. But I still feel like I have matured in that area superior to my five-year-old daughter. So, And that's one of the things that happens is it begins to create a self-righteousness in us with the laws that we're really good at obeying. But another thing that happens is when we fail to obey laws, then we get into this issue of either hiding, I don't want anybody to see that I broke this law, or uh, justifying, well, it was okay, it was just once, or we try to even maybe destroy the law. Well, that law wasn't that good anyway. I don't know if, if you're connecting with these relationships with the law, but for me the other option was to just give up i really wanted to be a good kid but for some reason i kept on ending up in the principal's office at bachman elementary school where my mother was also a teacher and her friends were my teachers but when i body slammed that kid and the um, on the kickball field And I broke his robotics watch, which some of you know what I'm talking about, the robotics watch. And I had to go that night to Kmart to buy him a new one. I knew there was something I felt like different about me. I couldn't get it together. And the law, to me, when I read Paul talking about the law, I'm like, that's how I felt. With the law, I felt like it locked me up, like there was something in me, but it wasn't setting me free. It was just like condemning me. And when I heard these words from Paul, they gave me so much hope that the law wasn't the end. It was just a guardian, like a babysitter. But now this liberation has come. We've been set free from needing it. There is something else being offered to us. And I'll never forget when I uh, first became a Christian. And I was reading and it was kept talking about the law and I was trying to understand all the laws because I really now really wanted to do right and, and be good, you know, even more so. And, and my mentor said to me at the time, he said, Keith, all you have to do is love God. Don't worry, don't worry about all these laws that you've heard about from t- love God. And I was like, ah, I felt so free. And then I started thinking about, well, does that mean I can just do whatever I want?" He said, "No, no, no. Love God. That if you love God, it will shape your way, your life in a new way. And what he was connecting me to, I didn't know it at the time, what he was connecting me to that was so deep in me is that I was made to be a lover. The law is not enough. The law is not sufficient. The law does not connect me to that. But what this mentor was inviting me into, what this gospel was inviting me into was to be a lover, which was what I was made for. He was calling me back to my ultimate purpose in life that I was called to be a lover, to love. Now, I want to ask you a few questions here. Where have you failed in your life at living up to the law? Now, I'm not even talking about the law that is in you know, the Old Testament, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, or Ten Commandments, or in the New Testament. Uh, I'm talking about your law. Where have you failed to live up to your law? You know, like the family law. Do you have like laws in your family that are like important or laws to you that are really important? Like for my dad, one of his laws, which I know is also in the Bible, was don't ever lie. Nothing sent him over the edge more than if I lied to him. The other one was being a smart ass. But don't lie. And so that became like a big part of my narrative was don't lie, but I've lied. So are there places in your life that you have a law and and where have you not lived up to that law? And then how did you deal or how have you dealt with not living up to that law? Have you tried to justify it, destroy it, Ignore it, hide it. I think Paul's words to us tonight give us a new way. He is offering us something else, a living relationship to be close. Now, this is a story I've told before, and for those of you who are visiting, we don't always go this deep or this personal, but when I was in seminary where I was studying the Bible, where I was studying to become a pastor, Uh, I was getting my master's in divinity. I was also getting a master's in Christian counseling. I was asked to do a presentation for my class. 30 people in the class, including my professor, professor, half women, half men. And I get up to do a presentation on an organization called Pure Fun Adventures. It was a father and son adventure organization that traveled all over the world. And they did stuff together to bond husbands, I mean, to bond uh, fathers and sons. When I get up in front of the class, I open up my computer. I plug it in. I hit play. Another window pops up. And it's the intro site to a porno. (laughs) Yep. And it wasn't somebody else's computer. It was my computer. Um, So I hit stop, like, as many times as I could. Right? You can laugh, Hampton. It's okay. I hit stop as many times as I could. And, uh, and then I buried all the shame that was all over my body, I tried to anyway, and I did a 15-minute presentation on an organization called Pure Fun Adventure, <laughs> yep, and that's, that's exactly how I felt, was that I basically had gotten so exposed, I was so terrified, Everybody knew now that Keith had a secret. So I tried to recover and kind of disappear after class. Half the women there had no idea what I was showing, thank God. Uh, But some of the guys were looking at me like, what the hell are you doing, man? And um, so uh, I went to my professor's office the next day. And I was going there to apologize, right? Right. Or save face, maybe you could say. And I walk into his office and I'm like, hey, um, you okay? You busy right now? Is it okay if we talk? He says, sure, you know, sit down, sit down. And I sit down. And uh, and I'm really sorry about what happened yesterday in class. And he just looked at me and he goes, Keith, how are you doing? How are you doing? how are you really doing? And I just began to weep. Because part of my story is not ever knowing how I'm doing. It's not ever knowing how I'm feeling. I just ignore it. And I isolate. And I just keep going. I'm one of the most driven people you'll ever meet. If you want to dig a hole in your yard, ask me to do it. I will do it through the rain, through the sleet, through the snow. I know we don't have much of that here. I'll dig it so deep. I'll dig it better than anybody else by hand. I'm so driven. I'm so good at ignoring what's going on in my heart. And what I missed, unfortunately, until this point in my life, was that I thought digging a really deep hole was what made me powerful what made me useful, what made me lovable. But what this man showed me is that, Keith, that's not your power. Being connected to your heart is the most powerful thing you got. That's what changes the world. That's what will change your life. He understood something. Now, mind you, I'd been a Christian since I was 14. I had a biblical studies degree. Um, I was getting my master's in divinity. This man was taking me to uncharted territory in my heart. And it began a journey for me to a very painful thing of understanding who I was, what my needs were, so that I could begin to meet others in theirs transform my life transform the way i'm a father transform the way i'm a husband it transforms the way i'm a pastor because what this man offered to me is that if the gospel is true if the grace of god is really true if you've really been loved by christ and you're a part of the family now you don't have to run from your past anymore you don't have to run from the wounds. You don't have to run from the things that you're ashamed of. Christ will actually sit with you and face them with you. And that you'll find gold there. That's the crazy part. That you'll find gold. You'll actually find freedom there. You'll find freedom there. Paul keeps on pressing in. He says, before this faith came, before this faith, We were locked up until this faith came, until it could be revealed, so that the law was our guardian until until what? Until Christ came, until the liberator came, until the freedom fighter came and is here now. Now that this faith has come, now that Christ has come, we are now no longer under a guardian. Christ has made something possible. He has moved us from being slaves to being children of God. And that's what it says in NIV, that he's moved us from being slaves to being children of God. But if you read it, they're they're trying to be gender sensitive there, which we're talking about equity here tonight or equality, and that's important. But they actually miss something in doing that, and that is that in in the ESV or in some of the other translations that they say, we are moved from being slaves to becoming sons of God. And to understand how radical that is or why that is so radical, the, t- the context of Paul's time and history is that Paul is, is hitting on something. At that time period, only men would be the ones to receive the family inheritance. And Paul is saying, hey ladies, no longer is that the case. In Christ, we've all Become heirs. You have become sons of God too. You now have a rightful claim to the inheritance. You will be inheritors. He's doing massive social upheaval here. If you don't realize it. He's lifting up half of the population. More than half actually, right? Uh, More than half of the population. And he's creating equality. He's creating equality. That all of you now are going to inherit. So what Paul is doing here with faith, he's saying Christ is the faith, or he is the faithful one, or he is the one who is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, which I read from earlier. He's the true Israelite. He's the true oak of righteousness who lives this out, who brings healing to the sick, to the brokenhearted, who brings good news to poor people. Who sets captives free? He is the one planted here on earth by God to declare our freedom. And not just that we uh, will have that freedom, but He's declaring, You are free now because of this planting, because of Christ being planted here, here in West Palm Beach. And that he wants to be planted in our hearts to do the deepest work of freedom for us. Because you know, when you when you go back to the example that I used, I was on my way to becoming a pastor. Those things could have easily been hidden, and in many cases in our church today, they're hidden. These things are tucked away and they're they're secrets. But there was a problem that this man was inviting me to address that was deeper than just behavioral modification. That there were longings deep down in my heart that were really good longings that needed to breathe, that needed to be understood. Because, see, one thing that you may think when you hang out with me is that I don't take sin seriously. I actually do. I love to have a good time, right? But I take sin seriously, and and by that I mean this. That our sin is a path back to deep things in our hearts. Listen to it. Understand it. What is it about? It will take you to really beautiful places. Because good things, right, when they become sinful, it's just twisted a little bit. It's just twisted just a little bit. That's perversion. So I take sin very seriously. But my invitation to people here in this church is to join us on a journey of understanding it so you can be transformed in it. So the thing that you thought was something you have to hide, you don't have to hide anymore. You can actually become this beautiful thing that God is doing in and through your life as you understand it and are transformed by the good news as it is applied to the deepest longings in your heart. And this work has to happen, you guys. On the other side of my example are, are women, men being traded in the sex industry. And I have friends that work in that industry to set people free. They go in and they try to bring people out of it. And you know what happens so often to these people? that are set free, a lot of times, guess what they do? They go right back. It's not just enough for them to know this wasn't a good idea, this wasn't a good way of life. There has to be deep heart work done in their lives for them to really taste, experience, know freedom. And Christ is saying to us, that have been trying to work really hard at being good. Come to me. Come with me. Let's start a journey where you actually can rest. Those of you who've just given up, you're like, man, I just can't even do this anymore. I don't even want to try. Come with me. Let's journey together. I want to give you Rest. And the question I have for you is, are you open to journeying with Christ, the faithful one, to see if it is true? Is he really who he says he is? All that he offers in Isaiah 61, all that he offers through his life in the Gospels, all the liberation and healing offered to you, and may I also say offered to us as a community? Because that is where we really experience so much of this transformation is not uh, not alone, but together. Uh, I'm sure some of you know about uh, Kanye's Sunday service. Anybody going to go with me to that uh, in a couple of weeks? I see one hand, two hands, okay, three hands. All right, so if you don't know yet or not, Kanye West is having Sunday service in the hills of California, and it's pretty incredible music from what I've heard. Uh, but the thing I want you to pay attention to is actually the clothes. That for the most part, I, I'm not clear on all of it, but the people performing in the, the circle, in the crowd, that they're all dressed uniformly. Am I right? Maybe Kanye has a little flare that sets him apart or something, a different shade. But there's this uniformity of clothing, this uniformity of color that they're doing this thing together. And what's interesting when Paul is talking about this liberation that has come, this new liberation, he says that we're going to get new clothes. In, in verse uh, 27, he said, all of you who are baptized into Christ, who have passed through the waters with Christ, if you go back to Israel, enslaved, getting set free, passing through the waters, they've come out the other side of being set free, they're now getting their new clothes. They're getting these clothes, Christ is giving them new clothes. And clothes are such a powerful example of our culture, Right? Now, uh, there's certain things we communicate about the culture that we are a part of or the culture that we're creating through the clothing that we're wearing. And Paul is saying, you've been given freedom clothes, the clothes of freedom. Do you have them on? Are you wearing the clothes of freedom? Here's what happens when you wear the clothes of freedom, when you put them on. It says, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female. And just to dive in here a little bit on each of these, Jew and Greek. What was the division? What was the division between Jew and Greek? It would have been religious. It would have been uh, sociological. The division. And Christ is saying that division is gone now. saying that division is gone now because of Christ because of what he has done that there's a new way through him that he has made a new way to liberation and it's for Jew and Greek to pass through to be unified together and then he says neither slave nor free that's an economic division you know slavery in the ancient or eastern world if I owed you money and I needed to get out of debt. I became your slave. It crisis, or Paul's doing something radical here. He's saying, hey, that guy who owes you money, you can't see him any longer as the person who owes you money. Now you have to see him as your brother or sister. Remember, he's, he's raising this equality thing. And then, male or female, the gender division. And I mentioned before that the oldest male gets the inheritance. The woman uh, in this time, and this culture, was exposed to also if she didn't have a husband. Who was going to provide for her? Uh, how was she going to uh, protect herself? And now Paul is saying, hey, guys, here in this community, look around. Anyone here that is threatened, anyone here that needs protection, anyone here that needs care for, our responsibility It's equality. He's raising this up. Our distinctions do matter. Paul's not saying that people aren't um, Greeks or Jews, that this, uh, that this way of slavery or indentured servitude didn't, didn't stop existing. Uh, males and females didn't stop existing. They still existed. Just, their distinctions are important. But what he is planting is a seed that is going to grow into a tree that is going to set us free from the systems that create inequality. This new tree, this new planting, is going to create equality, it's creating a new unity, a new family that we are called to wear these clothes of freedom, this culture of freedom, that we're working for it in everything that we do in all of life. And I wanna invite you and plug this really quickly that we have a class on Tuesday night, and I wish all of you could have been there last week uh, from 7 to 8.30, it's over at uh, Grandview in the Vixit office, our VXIT office. And um, that class last week was on interpreting the Bible. It was amazing. This week, it's going to be on being created in the image of God, on creation, on what does it mean to be a lover, what does it mean to be an artist. We're going to be exploring that. I invite all of you to be there because that is where we're unpacking these things deeper to apply them deeper in our stories, in our lives. Christ is calling us all on a journey. We invite you to journey with us as we see what it means to become oaks of righteousness together. Let's pray.